Welcome to this reading of the Poem of the Man-God, the private revelation of the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. Now out of print, this five-volume set of books is a narration of the life of Jesus, which extends from the birth and childhood of the Virgin Mary through the public ministry of Jesus, his passion and resurrection, and closes with the Assumption into Heaven. The narration is interspersed with direct dictations from Jesus for the sake of the whole world. These highly inspired visions were recorded by Maria Valtorta around the time of World War II, yet she did not consider herself the author. They were first published without her name shortly before her death, and only posthumously was her name added. My sole aim with this podcast is to share this lost treasure with the world. I hope you will enjoy them as much as I have. And if you do, please share them. Thank you for listening. Poem of the Man God, Book 1, Number 92, Jesus' Lesson to His Disciples Near His Home. Jesus is once again teaching his disciples, whom he has taken under the shade of a huge walnut tree, situated above Mary's garden, part of which is shaded by the protruding branches of the tree. It is a stormy day, and a storm is impending. That is probably the reason why Jesus did not go too far from his house. Mary comes and goes from the garden to the house, and each time she looks up and smiles at her Jesus, sitting on the grass near the tree trunk, surrounded by his disciples. Jesus says, I told you yesterday that today's lesson would be on what was caused yesterday by a careless word. And here is the lesson. You must consider as certain, and it should be your rule when acting, that nothing of what is hidden will remain such forever. It is either God who takes care to make known the work of one of his children by means of his miracles, or by means of the word of just people who acknowledge the merits of a brother. Or it is Satan who, through the mouth of a careless person, I will not say more, reveals what good people preferred to say nothing about, so as not to provoke uncharitable situations. Or Satan distorts the truth in order to create confusion in the minds of people. Therefore, the moment always comes when hidden things are made known. You must always bear that in your minds, and may it restrain you from evil doing, without, however, encouraging you to refrain from doing good, How often one acts out of goodness, true goodness, but human goodness. And as such acting is human, that is, its intention is not perfect, one wishes it to be known to men, and one is worried and gets enraged seeing that it remains unknown and strives to make it known. No, my friends, do not do that. Do good and give it to the eternal Lord. He knows how to make it known also to men, if it is for your own good. If instead... That should impede your just actions, owing to a burst of proud satisfaction, then the Father will keep it secret, and will give you glory in heaven in the presence of all the celestial court. And never judge a deed by its appearance. Never accuse anyone, because the actions of men may at times seem bad, and yet conceal other reasons. A father, for instance, may say to his lazy glutton son, Go away, which may seem hard and contrary to his paternal duties but it is not always so. His go-away is seasoned with bitter tears, shed more by the father than by the son, and it is accompanied by words and by the wish that the words may be true. You will come back when you are sorry for your indolence. And it is also an act of justice with regard to the other sons 
because it prevents a glutton from squandering in vice what belongs also to the others. It is bad, instead, if that word is pronounced by a father who is at fault himself, against God and his own children, because in his selfishness he considers himself above God and deems he has rights also on the soul of his son. No, the spirit belongs to God, and not even God violates the freedom of the soul, which is thus free to give itself or not. All actions seem identical to the world, and yet how much one differs from another. One is justice, the other a faulty, arbitrary act. Therefore never judge anybody. Peter yesterday asked Judas, Who was your teacher? Let him never ask that again. Let no one accuse the other of what one sees in anybody. Teachers have the same words for all the pupils. How is it then that ten become just and ten wicked? It is because each adds of his own what he has in his heart, and that turns the scale towards good or towards bad. How can the teacher then be accused of teaching wrongly if the good he inculcated is negatived by the excessive evil reigning in a heart? The first factor of success depends upon you. The teacher works at your ego, but if you are not susceptible to improvement, what can the teacher do? What am I? I solemnly tell you, that there will be no teacher more patient, wise, and perfect than I am. And yet, also some of my disciples, it will be said, who was his teacher? When judging, do not allow yourselves to be overwhelmed by personal reasons. Yesterday Judas, who loves his region more than it is fair, thought I was unfair to it. Man is often subject to such imponderable elements as love for his fatherland or attachment to an idea, and like a kingfisher that has lost its bearing, he deviates from his destination. God is the destination. It is necessary to see everything in God, to see properly without putting oneself or anything else above God. And if one makes a mistake, Peter and you all, do not be intolerant. Have you really never made the mistake that hurts you so much when made by someone else? Are you sure? And supposing you never made it, what are you to do? Thank God and nothing else. And watch carefully and unceasingly so that tomorrow you will not fall into what has been avoided so far. See, the sky today is dark because of an impending hailstorm. And looking at the sky, we said, do not let us go too far from home. Well, if we can judge things, which, however dangerous, are nothing as compared to the danger of losing God's friendship by sinning, why can we not discern where there may be danger for our souls? Look, there is my mother over there. Can you conceive an inclination to evil in her? Well, since love urges her to follow me, she will leave her home when my love so wishes. But this morning, after asking me once again, because she, my teacher, used to say to me, Son, let your mother be among your disciples. I want to learn your doctrine. She who possessed that doctrine in her womb and even before in her soul as a gift of God to the future mother of his incarnate word, she said, But decide whether I can come without losing my union with God and without my heart being corrupted by what there is in the world, and which you say penetrates with its stench, because my heart has always been, is, and wants to be, only of God. I search my heart as far as I know. I think I can do it because, and at this point unknowingly she gave herself the highest praise, because I find no difference between the spotless peace I enjoyed as a flower in the temple and the peace I now have within me, now that I have been a housewife for over thirty years. But I am an unworthy servant who does not know the things of this spirit well, and is even less capable of judging them. 
You are the word, the wisdom, the light. And you may be the light of your poor mother, who is agreeable not to see you any longer, rather than not be grateful to the Lord. And I had to say to her, while my heart trembled with admiration, Mother, I tell you, it is not you that will be corrupted by the world, but it is the world that will be purified by you. My mother, as you have just heard, has been able to see the dangers of living in the world, dangers also for her. And you, men, should you not see them? Oh, Satan is really lying in wait, and only those on the alert will win. And the others? You are asking about the others? For the others it will be as it was written. What was written, Master? And Cain set on Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother? What have you done with him? The voice of his blood is crying to me. Now you shall be accursed on the earth that has tasted human blood at the hands of a brother who has opened the veins of his brother, and that horrid thirst of the earth for human blood will never cease, and the earth, poisoned by that blood, will be more sterile than a woman withered by age, and you shall be a fugitive seeking peace and bread, and you shall not find them. On account of your remorse you shall see blood on every flower and blade of grass, on all waters and food. The sky will seem blood to you, and the sea blood, and from the sky, from the earth and the sea, three voices will reach you, the voice of God, of the innocent, of the demon, and you will kill yourself not to hear them. Genesis does not say that, remarks Peter. No, Genesis does not, but I do, and I am not mistaken. And I say so for the new Cains of the new Abels, for those who, not watching over themselves and the enemy, will become one thing with him. But none of us will be such. Is that right, Master? John, when the veil of the temple will be torn, a great truth will be written brightly all over Zion. Which, my Lord? That the children of darkness have in vain been in touch with the light. Remember that, John. Will I be a son of darkness, Master? No, not you. But remember that, to explain the crime to the world. Which crime, Lord? Cain's? No, that is the first chord of Satan's hymn. I am referring to the perfect crime, the inconceivable crime, the one to understand which it is necessary to look at it through the sun of divine love and through Satan's mind, because only the perfect love and the perfect hatred, only the infinite God and the infinite evil can explain such offer and such sin. Do you hear that? Satan seems to be listening and shouting out of the desire to commit it. Let us go before the cloud bursts with lightning and hailstones. And they run down the cliff, jumping into Mary's garden while the storm begins to rage. And the vision ends. Mm-hmm.